Welcome to episode 16, Jolene, 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 a story mode, a video game podcast brought to you by Fan Critical. I'm your host, Jesse Munro, and I'm joined tonight by Simon the Thumper Evans. The Thumper, and yep. also you did warn us that that was going to be your worst pun ever, but... Mm, that's how I roll. <laughs> and Keelan, Keelan in the name of Simpson. Jesse, how I, we doing? I, I don't get it. Jolene, it's the Dolly Parton song. Yeah. Get so, okay, stop the podcast. We're going to listen to Jolene. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you my Dolly Parton mix, man. Come on. Not familiar, sorry. Oh, wow. You haven't played Guitar Hero <laughs> Dolly Parton? <laughs> <laughs> the well, lesser known, yeah. like one of, one of the lesser known Guitar Hero games, you know. Better than the Beatles one. Um, <laughs> Not very high bar. Yeah, no, it wasn't. Good, really good, good. We all good? We're good. Are we ready to launch? Launch like Valorant did on PC this week? Whew, that was a weak, weak segue. Eh, Valorant fun. came out. Uh, have you guys heard of Valorant? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I hate the name. I hate the name already. Yes. Oh, um, Valorant is um, the latest tactical hero shooter from Riot Games. Riot Games made League of Legends. So they know, they know what's up. Valorant, to uh, kind of cut to the chase, is... Counter-Strike, if it was made by people who made, played a shit ton of Overwatch. Yeah. Um, it, it took that similar vibe to it. Um, and then, yeah, after weeks and months of the beta, the immensely popular beta, I mean, codes and stuff for the beta were getting sold for a lot of money. It became a major kind of um, want for streamers. Yeah, it's now dropped. It's free. And I played it. Now, for those who don't know, I don't really play PC games. I've never played a PC shooter without a controller. I've never used mouse and keyboard. Hmm. I'm too uncoordinated, some may say. Some may say I'm a bit of an idiot, but I we were gave it a go. We just didn't want to say it. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, I gave it a go, and I really, really liked it. Um, basically, it, yeah, it's just a 5v5 hero shooter. It's a 25-round matches. The, the rounds go super quick. All you need to do is, if you're the attacker, you need to either plant the spike, which is a bomb, plant it, defend it, blow it up. Yeah, you won. Or just kill everyone. If you kill the other team, you win that round. Jesse, when you say super quick, how long are we talking here? Each round? Mm. Um, When I played, I reckon the longest round I went for about two minutes. Oh, wow. Oh, okay. Mm, Damn. And then it's basically first to 13 rounds. Hmm. All right. Hmm. So you can you can play a full match in about half hour. Not bad. Um. Yeah. No. It, it was quite nice. It, it was well timed, well paced. Um. And then of course, if you're a defender, you can defend your um your base. You know, the attackers planting the spike, or you can just kill them all. That's what I found. It kind of devolved into. It was it was team deathmatch. I guess maybe just the way I was playing it. Um was team deathmatch and that's how most of the uh, matches finished okay not now, many attempts to plant the spike or whatever yeah. nah fuck that it's planting the spike is a bit too slow for what is it's a very very short kill time um if you a few well-placed shots will kill you very 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 quickly and that's actually something i like and something that i had to get used to um mm. when i first started playing it i was just running into the enemy base I think we all, we all were. Everyone on my team was. And get mowed down. Mm, Call of Duty style. But then you, exactly. You can't play it like that. You need to be 
thoughtful. And this is where your your hero abilities come into action. Um, some of the heroes have like a sonar ability, tracking, smoke, stuff like that, that you can use your, to your advantage and with some uh, communication in the team to make your way into infiltrate the enemy side of the map. Um, but yeah, the gunplays are really good. I couldn't get my head around the abilities yet. Like I said, I'm, I'm still getting my way around. Like, how is W up? Like, how is W forward? <laughs> S? No time for it. I got no time for these keys. It makes no sense to me. <laughs> Put it on a fucking controller. Riot, if you're listening, please help. I like your game and I want to be good at it. Let me use a controller. <sighs> Sorry. Oh, I don't know, Jesse. Like true console gamer there. I'm struggling. <laughs> I'm weak. You know, Physically and <clears throat> mentally and spiritually, I'm weak. You know which PC game got me adapting to uh, shooters on mm. computers? Bioshock Infinite. Ooh. That, really? Yeah. Not the game I, I would have picked? Yeah. Well, <laughs> it was, it was the game I owned at the time, and I was like, yeah, cool, I'll feel comfortable playing this and going at my own pace. <clears throat> you know, there's not, not a massive amount of pressure versus other people who have been playing, you know, keyboard and mouse literally their whole lives. So I thought, you know what, let's play a Bioshock game. I, I hadn't played any other Bioshock game. I hadn't had anything about Infinite Ruin for me. And I thought, you know what, this seems like a perfect opportunity to cross off one of the games I really want to play and also try and adapt to keyboard and mouse. Well, I'm, I think I'm going to stick with this one, so I'm hoping this is that game for me. Now, I mean, like I said, I don't play PC games, so... The biggest comparison I've seen drawn to this game, aside from Overwatch, because of the art style. It's a really simplistic and mm. but recognisable art style, which I really, really enjoy. Um, it's getting compared to Counter-Strike. Now, does Counter-Strike... Have you guys played Counter-Strike? I haven't, but I've seen... And, Not you really. Know, I know plenty is, of people that play it. Is the pre-round buying system a new the, thing? Because I've never really had that with that's console from, games. That's from Counter-Strike. Yeah, Counter-Strike. That's from Counter-Strike. So, yeah, when a round starts, you use the points that you had in the pre you earned in the previous round to buy weapons so there's 17 guns um shoddies snipers heavy weapons pistols all that junk you can also buy armors and your alt abilities um so for example the main character i was playing was um, named sage i believe she can if you buy the ice wall ability you can i mean put up an ice wall obviously you also have like different healing orbs and stuff you can buy um then you got characters who can shoot arrows through walls and rain fire and all that type of shit. I just didn't bother with that. I just really liked the gunplay. It's got really satisfying gunplay. Well, um, I, I haven't been playing any of it, but I've watched my younger brother play a little bit of it here and there. I've watched him play a couple of rounds. And yeah, as you said, it seemed to go really fast. And the game, like the gun control seemed really tight, really oh, responsive. Yeah. And also, as you mentioned, it felt like it only took a couple of shots and that's it. They're dead. You're dead. The gunplay feels Destiny level good to me. And Destiny has some goddamn satisfying guns. Um, now, the game is free. However, of course, they'll find a way to try and suck your wallet dry. You can buy gun skins, spray paint tags, particle effects for gunfire. Why? Um, yeah, a bit weird. Finishes, sound effects, blah, blah, blah. With Valorant points, kind of like the V-Bucks in Fortnite. Um they go from packs of 475 points for 5 bucks to 11,000 points for $100. I also love that the smallest pack being 475, you can almost guarantee that one like the cheapest shit you can buy is 500. 
Yeah. They have to. They try to get oh you to buy God. two. I hate that so much. But the good that. news is, it's all cosmetic. It's you're not paying to win. So if you want to go for it, I, I don't mind shit like this. Um, however, you know, of course, some people aren't happy with it, and it's not the only controversy the games had. Um, Valorant introduced a anti-cheat system called Vanguard, which, when first launched during the beta, could shut down certain drivers at a whim. The hell? A, yeah, it was bizarre. So it could turn off your mouse, your keyboard, your cooling system if you didn't like it. That's mental. Right, right. Games would be like, oh shit, that's not good. And they've gone through and they tweaked it. So um, now non-compatible drivers have to be manually turned off. But I just it did. don't. I don't understand, Jesse. Like, why would a? How can your cooling system be considered cheating? How? Or why would it? I ever inject need to my turn cooling system full of peptides. My liquid cooling is full of anabolic steroids. <laughs> my PC is like a Russian gymnast. <laughs> <laughs> there is no scandal. We promise. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know enough about those PC systems, but people were pissed about it. And sure, cool, be pissed. I don't care. I'm going to play the game still. Um, I mean, like I said, I still have a really long way to go. I'm still learning the weapons and the character abilities and the maps. The maps are cool. There's only three, I believe, but they're all tight. Everything just seems really polished, which I appreciate. Mm. Um, so I'm going to keep at it. I'm going to keep learning how to tapa 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 these keys. Mm. And maybe one day I'll be moderately okay. I hope so. Riot yeah, puts out pretty I'd... good skill-based games. So um, for someone who's not really interested in competitive gaming like that, why should I play Valorant, Jesse? It's free and you can play with me and we can have fun, have a laugh. Oh, you know what? That's a good reason. I thought it well then. Um, but, you know, it's... It's just the small things, the micro things, the Game Gear micro things. That was a segue of thoughts. Keelan, what, what up? What up, man? How you doing? So there's been a trend of releasing micro consoles, like retro micro consoles. What do you guys micro think of Micro machines, if you will. I, I have conflicted feelings as a bit of a Nintendo fanboy. Mm. I love the NES and the SNES classic. Um... Because they are so easy to hack and put the majority of games on. It's exactly. great. It's That's amazing. why I have one. It's amazing for retro collectors. I think it's like, for that, it's amazing. For the cash grab that it is, I do not yep. appreciate it. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then you have consoles like the, the PlayStation 1 classic, which was... That, that gutted me. That, that was, was so disappointing. Very that was atrocious. When that was first even teased, even the idea of the mini um, PS1 Classic came out, I'm like, okay, like cool. They just picked such an odd assortment of games that nobody was happy with. And that right. thing went from being, you know, having massive pre-order queues to being like $40 at Target. Yeah. yeah. And, and the thing, one of the things that gets me is that they chose Final Fantasy VII. Now, yeah. I love the remake and I own the original but I can get the original on everything. Mm-hmm. I can get it on my phone. I don't need a fucking PlayStation 1 Mini for it. It's not... Yeah. No point. Also, the certainly- weirdest thing with the PS1 Mini, sorry, was the um, controller cord was like 50 centimeters. The- I, I, it was I like think the strangest short. thing is that um, a lot of the games, Tekken 3, for instance, ran at 50 hertz instead of 60 
which so was meant to. So there's but, actually a reason for that. Um, tech in the piff. <laughs> yes. Huh. Um, no. So it was to do with the localization that they yeah, used the, the region. Between, yes, between the American and the European and Australian versions of games. A lot of European and Australian TVs ran at 60 hertz, and therefore the games could run at 60 hertz. But in America, they were locked to 50 hertz. So to maintain compatibility back in the day, they would have to drop mm. it back to 50 hertz. I don't know why that's a, why that was a thing. Exactly. You're running over though. freaking HDMI into an LCD screen, guys. Yeah, Come exactly. It's not was so exactly dumb. A- but you know what? Not even 60 hertz is going to save whatever the hell Sega has decided to release in the Game Gear Micro. Do you guys remember the Game Gear? Bad. I know about it. I've never owned one. I could not fathom owning something like that. I know of it, but now I wish I'd never heard of it. Yeah. I don't know why this whole thing makes me so angry. (laughs) Okay. Okay, look, it's it's weird. Basically, um, Sega released a handheld gaming console. I think it was fairly advanced for the time, but it never really mm. like hit the heights of the the Game Boy. Like it was competing yeah. with the original Game Boy when it came out. Just and like the PSP, it, it, it had failed. it had some it had some really good stuff in its favor, which was you know you could play full games. Like it wasn't mm. just you know oh, like a Game Boy game was a Game Boy game, but you could play pretty much everything you wanted to on the Game Gear. Problem is, it took like six AA batteries. Yes, and only lasted like six hours at most. <laughs> Fucking hell. Which is shocking. mental. Whereas, um, you know, the the Game Boy, you put in four four double A's four and it A's, lasted yeah. about a million years. Yeah. Just never died. No. Um so because we all have such fond memories of the game gear, Sega <laughs> decided to release a micro version of this, which was already, you know, a fairly small console. They decided to make micro it micro a little bit too literal here. Yeah. Think about think of uh, um what was it, that really tiny Game Boy Advance? Was that the GBA Micro or something? Yes, yeah. and I owned one of those for about four weeks, and I loved it because the screen quality was incredible. Yes, on that it, it is arguably my favorite screen on a handheld device from that era ever. It had like, it had a backlight as well, right? It, yes, so it was yeah. front and backlit. So um, the original Game Boy Advance had no backlight and a really shit yeah. screen. It was impossible to see because it was so reflective. Uh, the Game Boy Advance SP introduced the backlight, but also took away a uh, the headphone jack for some reason because they were like, oh, it's, it's too small to fit on. But then the Game Boy Micro had front and back lit and also a headphone jack, even though it was really tiny. But it was- when, when did that come out? Do you remember what year? <sighs> 2000 and I want to say 2004, 2005 off the top mm. of my head. Cool. So 15 years later, Sega's releasing a worse version. <laughs> yes. It's not wow. just releasing a worse version. It's releasing four versions. <laughs> I haven't looked into this story at all because I haven't had time to today. But it's, what? It's bizarre. Let me tell you about the versions. They're releasing four different colors, right? Each one has different games on it. So you've got the black version, which has Sonic the Hedgehog, Puyo Puyo 2, Outrun and Royal Stone. Then you've got the blue version. It's got Sonic Chaos, Gunstar Heroes, Sylvan Tail, and Baku Baku Animal. You have the yellow version, which has Shining Force, Gaiden, Ensei, Jashin no Kuni, He. Shining Force, the Sword of Hajia. Shining Force, Gaiden, Final Conflict. And Nazupuyo, Aruru no Ru. 
I'll the give new- you credit for that. <laughs> yeah, try, try say that three got, times I don't think you got even close. But credit where it's due. I'm trying very hard here, guys. <laughs> you do well. Yeah, you did we've got one, we've got We've got one more version. We've got the red version, which has Revelations, the Demon Slayer. That sounds oddly biblical. It does. Oh, speaking of. <laughs> Megami Tensei Gaiden, the last Bible special. So, last Bible special? just... <laughs> I don't know. How cheap but, is the Bible here? I don't know. It's the last Bible special they have. You've got, you've got <laughs> the GG, the GG Shinobi. The sounds game. pretty sick. And then the last game is Columns. Um, now, the, and these are selling for 50 bucks a pop, right? Is this some weird fucking fever dream? Yeah, it, it doesn't seem real. Release, okay, release one and have all the games in it right. because it's the year 2020. Flying cars, you know, we have, we've cured all disease. We can have more than four games on a fucking console. It's all bloody happening this year, you know? What yeah, the f- it, it, but this still isn't the worst part about no, it. No, no, no. So fi- you said it was 50, it's 50 US dollars to be clear. 50 US dollars a pop for Which each like one of these. Which is like $8,000 Australian. Exactly. At the moment, yeah. I, I have to tell you, the screen on this is 1.15 inches big. 80 millimeters by 43 millimeters by 20 millimeters. What is this, a screen for ants? What it's a tiny. Sh- it's a how, postage stamp. How do you even see that? It's smaller than the micro screen, the Game Boy. Okay, I've worked out why I'm so angry. Because as, as a person who wears glasses, You're I fucked, find it's a direct fucking attack. Fucked. But it's wait. an attack at me and my people. But wait, there's more. Say <laughs> stop, please. I can't dead. keep a straight face here. Can but you wait, tell there's us? more. If you buy all four of these bullshit mini consoles, we'll throw in a free mini big window screen magnifier. Pop it on. We'll make your 1.5, sorry, 1.15. Didn't want to give them the extra 0.4 inch display. What? Two inches? Remember that magnifying glass thing you used to have for the Game Boy? And it was oh, like, yeah. it wasn't really needed because the Game Boy had a decent screen. But, you know, I can, I can see the benefit in this. This mini big window is a necessity to play this console. I mean, the oxymoron of that statement alone is ridiculous. The mini big screen window. You could, this thing is that small, you could snort it. Hate it so much. Okay, right. I don't have what's sort of considered, you know, big hands for a guy. And I know plenty of people that do. How on earth are they going to hold this thing and play it? I don't know. As like a buff gym junkie like me, I'm still going to crush it between my my, my pecs. You know what I mean? But people complained about the Game Boy Micro being, you know, a little bit too small and too uncomfortable. People complained about the DS being too small and too uncomfortable to hold. People You're still complain about this. the 3DS being too small and too uncomfortable to hold. <laughs> like, I, I, don't mind these, I, I don't mind these many things if they're a little bit niche. This one's like, Sega, you made your money on these games. Just chill. If you want to bring out, like, a, a handheld with all of them on it, cool. Like, is the mini screen just to get people talking? I feel like, like they're this. targeting collectors. But, like, if they made it with a bigger screen, collectors will still buy it. Like, mm. if you're a collector, you're going to buy it regardless. And it would be Look, an actual if, usable product. Yes. If you want to buy something weird and, and kind of cute and niche and you want, like, a little handheld thing, this year, the play date. Remember the play date that's coming out this year? The little crank? It's like a yep. ye- little yellow... Yep handheld with a crank so you can play like fishing games and stuff like that and i think i saw recently that uh, i saw like a joke article uh, it was either a joke article or it's 2020 it could have been real who the fuck knows anymore 
where somebody had ported a really, really dumbed down version of Doom and you could hand crank the uh, Gatling gun. That's amazing. Oh, yeah, the chain gun. I saw that too, Jesse. That's That's awesome. That's freaking cool. I'm Um, I'm so confused. Right. If this was aimed at collectors, okay. I understand the whole point of releasing it in a couple of different colours. But there's no need to have it version-exclusive games, first off. That's ridiculous. And then secondly, with a screen that small, how are you going to display that? Collectors okay, want like, to collect things to display it. You can't yeah. put that in a display cabinet because you won't fucking find it again. And your <laughs> friends will laugh you out of town. You know, you like, won't have any friends with, after you spend with, 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 okay, 50, bucks. 50, bucks, 50 bucks a pop. Yeah, US. four versions. So Australian, let's just say that's about $280. <laughs> For $280, I could buy so many things more valuable. I could buy, like, I could buy 2,800 cough drops. Yeah. Okay. Those have a use. And yes, they, exactly. they have a use. They have a They're place. They're going to give me more pleasure and probably be better for me, like, physically, somehow. I don't know. In my notes here, I've got my, you know, that's right. We I pre-prepared for this um, show. Surprised you all, didn't I? I just wrote in bold, I hate it. <laughs> and guys, I stand by it. Guys, yeah, I, I just wanted to say, here at Story Mode, we are not generally completely negative about things we try and see the positives but this we try fuck this thing now speaking of remaining positive there's a game where simon's gonna have to show a lot of restraint yeah um, discussing simon we got some news about the uh, pokemon sword and shield dlc packs the isle of armor and the crown tundra expansions i like the look of these I, look, I've pre-ordered them. I've, okay. I've got the, I've got the you, fucking you, season pass. Right? If you I'm guys gonna... could like, if you guys listening could see Simon right now, oh, he looks like he's in pain. He's, he's <laughs> gone like a, I am little, a bit little bit. I am in a bit of pain right now. Um, but no, like <laughs> I've, I've pre-ordered the season pass and stuff. So you know, like whatever. I'm gonna get these. Um, my experience with Pokemon Sword and Shield has been incredibly boring at best. And I was really hoping that this DLC would look a bit better and hopefully provide a bit more content. It does. So my expectations have been met, but my expectations weren't exactly high. They were pretty low. <laughs> they were pretty low. We still have the same problems that affect the base game. Um, character models are still awful. Um, I think arguably my favourite thing about this whole DLC pack is the female protagonist's clothing for the Isle of Armor, I think looks really cute. And that's about it. That's my (laughs) favourite thing. That's my favourite takeaway from this whole thing. Okay, so what are we getting new in this one? So we've got the new legendary, we've got Cub Fu, which is a fighting-type legendary. And then, yeah. And it (laughs) evolves into an Urshifu. It's fine. Whatever. I don't give a shit. Depending on which of the two towers you train at, water or darkness because everyone knows those are opposing types, uh, it will evolve differently once you complete that. I'm assuming it's some type of bear. Yeah, it's like, uh, a, little, like, it's like a little karate bear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a karate bear type. We've also got, I mean, okay, let's look at the positive things here. We have all the legendaries coming back. Before with I can see forms, and they look all, but we've got a lot of the legendaries coming back. Cool, yeah. I'm happy with that. Um, we have the Gigantamax versions of... In Sword and Shield, they had Charizard because, of course, they had Charizard. Because but now they're going to have Venusaur, which has like an uh, 
Venusaur looks like Venusaur was in isolation and hasn't been able to get a haircut. Yes, and I love it. Because it has very similar hair to me. It's just like coming <laughs> over its eyes, like with big leaves. Um, and the Blastoise looks like it just came out of a Walmart because it's covered in guns and it's kind of gross and I don't really like it. Um, Look, out of the three original starters, I think uh, Blastoise is the weakest design-wise anyway. Um, mm. It's a turtle. And they strapped some of its artillery guns onto it. You talking shit about turtles? I'll come to no, Perth, man. No, I'll, lay, I, I'll throw it out. Turtles, tortoises? <laughs> no, no, but that's the, the thing. Like, other I, ones? I love tortoises. Terrapins? I just think out of the original three, it's the weakest of them. It's not Charles bad. Has, Charles is the weakest. It's a dragon. I've seen dragons before. Mm. Well, no, but never, that's the thing. It's I've not even a fucking dragon a type. It's a fire and flying type. But yeah, anyway, we're, get, we're getting too off topic here. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry, can I just say, there is, one, <laughs> there is one Pokemon in this that I, I really, really like. Um, we get the Galarian version of the Slowpoke, Slowbro, Slowking evolution line. Yes. And rather than the shoulder clamping onto its head or its tail, it's, it's, it's like on an its arm, arm cannon. It's like a Mega Man yes. style arm cannon. I love it. I Why think do so I think many Pokemon really cool. in this season have guns? So you got Blasters covered with them. The um, um, Inteleon? Yes, Inteleon, who has, has a, a fucking has sniper, a sniper rifle. Which is bizarre. And now we've got Mega Man Slowbro. Yep. The sequel to Pokemon Snap has been confirmed to be a first-person shooter now. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck yes. Um, Plus, we get two new Regis. So, we got the electric type, Regielecki. And the dragon type, Regidrago. Equally awful. This is is one of the things that bugged me. So, the Regis are a cool idea. The Regis are just pseudo-legendaries of every type. Kind of like an Eevee-style thing. We have... A same basic design, but different types. So you get some cool little variants off it. Because they came out, what, Gen 5? Gen 3. Gen Generation 3. Fuck, that old. Yeah, so Ruby, Sapphire, I've and Emerald. I've seen so much fan art of what the other types could be. And I've seen types for Electricity Regis and Dragon Regis a thousand times better than these. 100%. The Dragon one is an interesting idea. Its arms sort of form a dragon's head. It's interesting. The electricity one, no, whatever, mate. Fuck off. Okay, I, uh, right. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think the Reggies have the greatest naming system anyway. The rock one is called Reggie Rock. The steel one is called Reggie Steel. And the ice one is called Reggie Ice. Reggie Fizeme. But I think, yeah, I, I'm, I'm disappointed and I just think it's, it's, it's bad. Um, another thing that I do like, though, is the original legendary bird trio are getting new forms, Yay. which is quite nice. Now, okay, so I have Moltres, a worry about this as well, though. and Articuno um, are getting new new styles, and I think they look really pretty cool. Um, I love it. So Zapdos has always been one of my favourites, and now he's some sort of, like, angry emu, and I just love it. I love <laughs> it so much. Um, Moltres... Uh, sorry, uh, yeah, what is Moltres? Moltres looks a bit more like... It looks like oh, if no. someone Fancy. took the original Moltres, which was essentially a big chicken on fire, and then... And gave it more fire. Yeah. And, and more but chicken. But also, like, added in a couple of chemicals to change the colour of the fire. Yeah. Um, and then Articuno has, like, some... Articuno looks like it became a magician at some point. Yeah. It has, like, some, like, cool goggles on. Now, have their types changed? I don't think they will. Oh, I think um, they have. I think Articuno is dark maybe. type now, and I... F- I've heard that Zapdos is fighting, and I don't like that. No, I don't like that. Zapdos has these big, beefy legs, though. Are you getting kicked by that? It's like a cassowary. Fuck that. That's cool. (laughs) Now, we also learned a bit more about the um, storylines of of at least the Isle of Armor. So, 
out of armor, you'll um, meet Leon's former mentor, Mustard, cool name, um, who is the longest reigning champion of the in Gala history, and he runs a Pokemon dojo. And at the start of the game, he gives you this Cub Fu legendary. He just gives you a legendary. Remember when that used to be hard to get, but you know, this dude just didn't give them to you. Um, as Simon says, then you could go to these different towers and you, you, it evolves into different forms of Urshifu. Um, cool, I don't really give a shit about that story. However, I, I have a little bit of hope for Crown Tundra. Um, they haven't given away too much about Crown Tundra, except that it's going to focus more on the exploration side of things. Cool. Best thing about um, those games is the exploration. And it's going to have what I think is one of the worst legendaries they've had for a while it calyrex the the oh, well actually the well actually type pokemon it's just this big brain deer it looks awful and i, I pop it. it it's basically um they've gone okay cool we've got a deer uh how do you make this interesting let's get rid of its limbs and let's give it a really big head and make yeah, it float like, that what work. happens if um a deer was just a small boy, but what, what happens if a deer was born inside the Chernobyl reactor? But, That's it. No, actually, that, that that is it. It looks like some sort of like sad radiation. Deer. It looks like it's it's come from like the hills have eyes. It's a spin-off Pokemon but, from that. Fingers crossed. These are these are okay. And they come out soon, June seventeenth. So if you're excited for Pokemon. Mark that down your calendar. Uh, something else that's a little bit annoying that you can't buy one, you have to buy both. Yes. And I don't know how much they are. Do you, do you know how much uh, they are? Not off the top of my head, unfortunately. Um, I don't think they're overly expensive. I think they are... I think Let's just, maybe let's just say 40 bucks and fix it in post. Yeah. Done. Cool. That's how this works. Edit it in. Make me sound cooler. <laughs> let's just move it in. Let's just move it I'm going to leave that in. Please Damn. do. Thank you. Well, speaking about going in and fixing past mistakes. <sighs> Fuck, that was a reach. Main topic time, okay? Um, so, some video game launches don't really go to plan. You got bugs, crunch, crashes, unrealistic expectations, server crashes, all that type of stuff. Um, they can just cripple a game the moment it's in the hands of a consumer. And that word spreads. Your game can die. Like Anthem. Um, however, wow. there are some games that claw their way back. Kind of like in that scene in um, Dark Knight Rises where he, he climbs out of that hole. Mm. And that was it great. doesn't really make sense until about the time the movie falls apart. Imagine Bane breaking Batman's back was a bad video game coming out, a bad launch. We're going to go through a few games that managed to climb out of the hole and do whatever happened at the end of that film. I can't really remember it. It got a bit weird. But yeah, these are some games that had rough launches when they came back. Keelan, you gave that look of disapproval. So you're <laughs> up, buddy. It's more of a look of uh, amusement. I like your analogy there. It was not my best. I've heard yeah. worse. Yeah. Speaking of uh, descending down into pits, um, mm. did you guys ever play... Uh... Well, well done. <laughs> did you yes. guys ever play Diablo? No. Uh, I have played Diablo 3 in relatively recent years. I bought the Battle Chest version from EB Games for about $15 and then spent about three weeks playing it nonstop with my mate. Had a great time. Awesome. That's good to yeah. hear because yeah. this is about Diablo 3. 
Diablo 3 did not launch in the state that you bladed in at that time. No, I have heard stories, but I don't know all of the information. Oh, there is a hell of a story to this one. So, Diablo 3 came out in 2012, I think. Um, And on launch day, people have been anticipating this game for a decade now. It had been in development for 10 years. Uh, it's, one Diablo, of, it's one of those great games like everyone knows Diablo mm, exactly yeah, Diablo, Diablo 2 Diablo's, was huge yeah. absolutely a massive, massive following mm. and um, it was played still it, it is still played online to this day yeah. um, just because of the quality of that game it's considered a must play like one of the all time greats it defines I've, the I've action role playing game genre I've bought it twice now. I bought it once, you know, obviously at a cheap price from EB because fuck it, why not? And then when it came out on Twitch, I bought it day one. Hell because yeah. I was so happy with my experience with it. I went, you know what? I want that again on Twitch. I've played it three times on Switch. But <laughs> I uh, I have three three copies of that game, so I can't talk. Um, <laughs> so um, Diablo 2 was massive. So the anticipation was incredibly high for Diablo 3. It came out and people could not log on to play. They could not get on. The servers were not able to handle the volume of people who were trying to log on. Um, And it kept coming up with this uh, term. It said Error 37. Error 37 turned into this giant meme at the time. I don't know if if you guys remember that floating around the internet at at the time. I don't remember Error 37 specifically, but I do remember... People going like, "Oh, look! It's clearly final. It's uh, final. Uh, Diablo 3's... He's um, already started. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's because I've got Final Fantasy. Like, I've got the word Final Fantasy up on screen, so I'm like, "Oh yeah." Just looked at it. Um, it's, it's like, "Oh yeah, look! It's the Diablo 3 servers. It's like a pile of dog poo or something." You know? <laughs> yeah, basically, it was garbage, <laughs> and it stayed fire. that way for two days, forty-eight whole hours before they were able Jeez. to actually fix it, provide enough capacity for people to log on and p- play the game. That they they bought, bit strange, bit weird. But that's not the reason why the service like. Do they not anticipate? No, no. A single person playing the game, like. (laughs) Uh, I guess the testing wasn't thorough enough. I'm not too sure. I don't know the exact answers to that. But that wasn't where the problems ended. People logged on. They found that the game was incredibly difficult, like punishingly difficult. It had like four difficulties, maybe. And um, the final difficulty, I think it was called Inferno. Um, It was so hard. You couldn't play the game without legendary gear that you could get from Inferno difficulty. So you're in this catch-22 situation where you, need to you can't play Inferno because you don't the have the gear, but you can only get the gear from Inferno. It's ridiculous. That's so stupid. what did Blizzard do to fix that? What did they do to, to make it easier for players to get into that? Guess what, guys? It's the best idea ever. Real money auction house. That'll, that'll work. Oh. That'd be great. I have heard many, many, many a meme about the in-game auction house and so many complaints about it as Look, well. If there's anything yep. that all gamers can agree on is that we love to spend our money on things beyond the initial cost of the game. We love to do it. I love to open my wallet up and be like, yes, I will buy that for you. Please take my money. Here's all my details. Here's my firstborn child. Bizarre choice, right? Strange. Mm. Yeah, you could pay real money for digital gear for your character in Diablo 3 so that you could play on the harder difficulties. How much (sighs) was, was it going for? Like, I mean, 
it, it, it's a really weird way to do it, but it, it was basically they were just doing microtransactions. They just did it in a very strange way in the auction house. Did, wait, sorry, did they actually have auctions where you could outbid each other? Yeah, it's an auction house. That's the, the very nature of an auction house. Oh, they actually had that. I just thought it was called the auction house because, like, you could go in there and buy stuff. People were bidding on stuff. Yeah, I assume so. Oh, shit. Like a Diablo 3 eBay. Yeah. Well, that uh, obviously didn't go down particularly well with the community. Just like it Ooh, sort of went down with that, us here. That Diablo's. <laughs> I'll let myself down that one. <laughs> <laughs> Back on topic. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <thank you. laughs> um, th- there was an issue essentially with the way loot worked as well. So, um, for a lot of players, well, for the majority of players, it didn't make sense to go and kill high level monsters to get loot. So, it made more sense to just break um, items around the world. So, just destroy pots. So people would go grinding for hours and hours, destroying pots, um, hoping to get legendary drops out of that and sell it on the real money auction house. That sounds really toxic. It's that such a toxic, really awful, yeah, it's and so it's bad. feeding into itself like they're in a, a loop. Yeah, yeah, it's it's not. I don't think how they envisioned the game to end up playing, but players kind of didn't accept what was given to them, and so they tried to game the system, and that's what ended up happening understandably so because what was given to them wasn't particularly great either blizzard did something smart they listened to the feedback that people gave them and they went back to the drawing board and they made a lot of changes um they implemented some changes before um 2014 but in 2014 they released an expansion pack called reaper of souls and they fundamentally changed um the structure of the game the difficulty how loot works as well which was major um so instead of giving you a thousand and one little crappy drops they gave you just better drops in general more quality instead of quantity um that's oversimplifying but it makes sense um and alongside with that came a console launch it launched on the xbox 360 and ps3 it subsequently um has launched on basically every console since it's on the on Switch, the Switch. Uh, mm-hmm. and it, it runs incredibly on the Switch. It's, it's it does. Beautiful. It's so smooth. Yeah, it's so it's nice coming to, to play. Coming to the Sega Micro. <laughs> yeah. Fingers crossed. Mini auction house. It's not very demanding. I could see it uh, I could see it running on there. They got rid of the auction house, and they implemented a new mode called Adventure Mode, where you could basically access any area in the game that you um, would access in the um, campaign. And you could complete like bounties in those areas. So the bounties would be like, uh, kill this boss or clear this dungeon or do this event and kill 150 enemies in this zone. Um, And you'd get a reward out of that. When you completed five of those bounties, then you'd get like a major reward and you get like lots of different things. You could open up these rifts, which were essentially randomized dungeons uh, where you could go to sort of grind and increase your like um, your your gear level, your gem level. and they implemented something called the Paragon system, which mm. allowed you to continue gaining strength after you hit the level cap, which was 60 in um, the original Diablo 3, uh, 70 in Reaper of Souls. 
Um, they changed a lot about this game and they made it work in, in a really interesting way. They implemented seasons afterwards where you yes. can create like a seasonal character and then they set all of these little like a micro goals for you to achieve throughout that. Um, and you just go about doing those things and it's it's really fun to do that. Um, you Obviously Diablo is famous for its like hardcore mode as well. You can start um, seasonal characters in hardcore mode also. And that gives um, the gameplay that extra like oomph, that little, that little punch. Um, and, you know, the bones of Diablo 3 were never bad, but everything that was sort of situated around it just didn't work and the community rejected it. Blizzard listened, they changed everything and everything they built, they've added on since has just been hugely successful. I've heard so many good things, like especially about the version on Switch. Yeah. It has mm-hmm. been a game that's like, oh, okay, maybe I will get into it. And I think I, I like these sort of redemption stories. So maybe I will give it a shot, see where it is. You know, the one thing that I will say about Diablo 3 over Diablo 1 and 2 is that it's very, very accessible. It's easy yes. for anyone to get into of any skill level. Well, um, I'd, I'd never played a Diablo game before, and obviously I bought it because my mate was like, oh, yeah, grab it, grab it. It's a great game. And, yeah, like I said, we spent three weeks just smashing it out, and I had such a fun time. I At first, I understood nothing. I was like, what the fuck is even a Paragon? What mm. is this? And he was like, just bear with me. We'll go through it. Pay attention to what, like, some of these dialogue scenes and stuff like that, and it would just start to click. And I was like, okay. And sure enough. I had a absolute blast. Absolute yeah. blast of a time. Sorry. Highly, highly recommend it. Moving into our next story. Um, normally I like to move into our next segment with a segue, but I'm going to skip that and give our dear listeners a warning here. Now, if you ever have the pleasure of meeting Simon, he's a lovely man, and he's constantly vibrating with energy. <laughs> and at first I didn't know what this is. Then I realized that he has, at his very core, a Chernobyl star reactor powered purely by hype for Final Fantasy XIV. We try to rein him in on this podcast. Right. Often to low effect. He's bubbling. He's bubbling away. (laughs) You forbade me from talking about Final Fantasy XIV when we were chatting about some of the biggest things in MMO history. Well, online game history, rather. This, this is ge- my <laughs> this is my redemption. This isn't a game that you can just mention on every podcast, like Control. You should never play Control. Or oh, sake, I was completely So we're about to let Simon <laughs> off the leash talking about Final Fantasy XIV. Take it away, Simon. Okay, so um, I've been waiting so long for this. This is great. <laughs> He's so happy. <laughs> I am very happy about this. All right, to um, our next segment. Thanks, thanks, that Simon. Um, <laughs> right, shut up. Um, <laughs> so, Final Fantasy XIV, when it initially released, uh, was a steaming pile of garbage. It was awful. It was so so bad. Um, to the point where it almost bankrupt Square Enix. Wow, like small, it, the small indie company that can go yeah, down you know, really that, easy. That, that small company, which, are, you know, they've only done a couple of really big titles, but yeah, no, it almost bankrupt Square Enix. It was that bad. Um, and that was version 1.0. So I'm going to go into uh, just, uh, there's all sorts of stuff online that you should absolutely watch. I highly recommend the no clip stuff um, about this. There's a, a three part documentary. It's brilliant. 
And it goes into the details as to how everything happened. But I'm going to try and condense that as much as humanly possible. Um, so, initially, um, Square Enix made Final Fantasy XI. That was an MMORPG, came out on PC and PS2. And it was met with really, really good praise, and people liked it. It's still active. It's actually still running to this day. Wow. You can go and buy it, and you can play it. Still. Um, it's aged now, obviously, a fair bit. Um, but at the time, it was really well received. And then Final Fantasy XII and thirteen happened, and Square Enix were like, you know what, let's make let's make Final Fantasy XIV an, an online game. Let's do it. And they got the same team that created Final Fantasy XI, and went, alright guys, let's do the same thing again. This was sort of 2008-ish. The world had moved on from menu-based RPG systems. People had moved on mm. from slow, sluggish, intricate battle systems. The MMO world had had arguably the biggest game ever for it released, which was World of Warcraft. It's completely revolutionized the MMO industry. Like, absolutely. Every MMO that you play this day and age will be derivative of World of Warcraft. It's, it's the standard. Exactly. Mm. It was the gold standard, and people loved it. Square Enix, and rather the design team behind Final Fantasy XIV, had not been paying attention to any of this. They didn't give a shit. They weren't kidding. They didn't care. Because there was sort of a an air of arrogance about it, which was, we create some of the prettiest games ever. And if we focus on that, who get who cares what else, like, what everyone else is doing? Who cares? You know? We've got these pretty games. People like pretty stuff, don't they? It, that was also, it seemed to be at the time where, like, so much of the video game conversation throughout the world was graphics. Yes, if it had good mm-hmm. graphics, it was a better game. I remember getting into many an argument with people about that. Because um, this was, for, for context, this was during the PS3 era. Um, and they had announced, so Square Enix had announced, hey, we're working on this new new game, Final Fantasy XIV. It's going to be online. MMORPG will be available for PC and PS3. Similar to how Final Fantasy XI was on PC and PS2. Cool. Everyone's pretty excited about it. Uh, the design team were working working away using a middleware that they spent way too much time and way too much money on called Crystal Tools. It's also the same middleware stuff that they used to create Final Fantasy XIII, which was infamously problematic. Um, and so they went ahead and created this lovely, lovely looking game. And then the beta came around and people downloaded the game. And, uh, it was only on PC, this beta. And uh, many, many, many people could not get onto the game for server issues. Uh, the opening cutscenes would break PCs. It it fried CPUs. It uh, <laughs> if you could get it to work, um, it would often play like a like a nice, pretty little slideshow. If you like PowerPoint presentations, <laughs> this opening cutscene was for you. <laughs> it was awful. And if you did manage to get past the server errors and the very laggy opening cutscenes, you were met with an archaic menu-based RPG. I don't even Ooh. play RPGs, but I watched some of the Snowclip documentary and some of the gameplay footage was like jaw-droppingly dated. Mm-hmm. How that passed any sort of QA... 
baffles me. And I think they bring up a really important point in that documentary is they had gr- absolute like great people making this game working separately highly talented there was no communication so you had all these people making really what they thought were really really cool systems and then you put it all together and it's like ah what's fucked not a single team was communicating properly and that was part of the problem Mm. so the like environment design team would spend ages creating these beautiful stone walls and you know perfectly placed uh like stools for vendors to be at and all that sort of stuff which was lovely and it looked incredible, but it tanked performance so hard. And in fact, there's an infamous uh, joke that still goes on. Um, you see it every once in a while, which was that flower pots, as in like a, a barrel filled with flowers, had as many polygons dedicated to it as character models. Huh. As in the actual walking character that you were in control of and probably spent about 15 minutes designing had as much attention to it that's now, a flower barrel. Credit where it's true. Those barrels look fucking good. Oh, they looked incredible. If I could kiss a barrel. <laughs> <laughs> but the problem was, it wasn't practical. And the, the problem was, because they weren't really focusing on how other games performed or other quality of life things. When Western people got to play the game, they were like, what the fuck is this? What is this? This is insane. There was no such thing. So a, a common factor in even just regular RPG games now is auto-attack. You select your enemy, you do a stand little whack with whatever weapon you got, it does a bit of damage. It's not probably not you know a huge amount of damage, not a huge chunk, but it, it's a bit. And you do that sort of for whatever reason. Not a thing. Didn't exist in Final Fantasy XIV. There was no auto-attack. If you wanted to fight an enemy, you had to use your skills. Doesn't sound too bad on paper. But there was a fatigue system, which meant the more you used your skills, the longer it took before you could use your next skill. This blew my mind when I saw it. Like, it's no. How did that come to be? So, how, that's actually a very good question, and I'll give you an answer, and you're not going to like it. Um, the way that they pitched it to people who were being critical was. Um, Ah, we wanted to level the playing field for casual players and people that were a bit more hardcore and could dedicate more time. Because the whole point was, after a certain amount of time and certain amount of experience, you would no longer gain any experience from killing monsters. You just would stop gaining experience. I mean, of course, you know, Final Fantasy is not known for having a diehard player base that will play the game for 12 hours straight. No, not at all. No, not at all. No grinding. No grinding. Even though the actual levelling up system was incredibly grindy in and of itself. Mm. Um, yeah, so so they pitched it as, oh no, we're trying to level the playing field. But a lot of people saw through that and was like, no, you're just saying this because you have no endgame content whatsoever. None. Fuck. There was literally nothing to do once you reached level cap. <laughs> And also, um, just to <laughs> add more fuel to this fire, this dumpster fire that was Final Fantasy 1.0, um, again, Final Fantasy is very famous for its in, like clever and quirky classes and jobs. Um, yeah, I think that was the thing that started in Final Fantasy 3, or it might have been 2, I think it was 3. Um, so, you know, you've got things like your paladins, your bards, your dragoons, your monks, your, you know, 
all of that sort of stuff. Your white mage, your black mage, not a thing. You had a base class, which reached the cap at level 30, and that was it. For a while. Eesh. And the feedback was awful. And people were not happy. And the game sold like crap. And I know it's not really fair to use Metacritic because it is slightly biased in many ways and you know, it can be skewed with. But uh, initially, Final Fantasy fourteen got a 49 on Metacritic, which was a do not play this game unless you are really dedicated. IGN Oof. said very similar things. I think they gave it a... F- 4.9 yeah, I think it was a 4.1 oh, it might have been that actually yeah um, which was you know it's menu based it's clunky and it doesn't feel good oh actually um, and another thing just sort of very quickly that we were chatting about in the pre-show um, you know, like you mentioned I think Keelan it was you that mentioned that you like to jump with your characters when you're running yeah. around you know you like to mix up your movement a little bit you couldn't jump in Final Fantasy 14 <laughs> you could not jump you need to be able to jump. Yep, and they had a very uh, vertical-based overworld, and you couldn't jump. You were blocked by invisible walls at every turn. So the game, shit. It was How do you fix it? Awful. So they um, fired the producer of the game, uh, Hiramichi Tamaka. Out of a cannon, into the sun. <laughs> they they were like, nah, that's it, you are removed from this project. And they uh, demoted Nobuaki Komoto. He was the director. They demoted him to lead game designer. And then they brought in a gentleman by the name of Naoki Yoshida, also quite frequently referred to as Yoshi P. Yoshi P! And he had never worked on a Final Fantasy game before. He had worked on Dragon Quest games. And he was a huge Final Fantasy fan, but he had never worked on a Final Fantasy game, let alone the worst performing mainline Final Fantasy game ever. But he was brought in in an attempt to fix it, and he was ne- he was made director and producer. So he was in charge of everything. I love the thinking here, though, because they had the technically best people to make the game, and they forgot and what Final Fantasy was. So bring in yeah. a fan, because... They can be well, helped by the people around them, but they know what it needs to be at its core. Yeah, absolutely. I like that. And Yoshi, Yoshi P had a very unique perspective because he played Western MMOs. He knew how these games should feel, how they should play. None of the dev team had played a Western MMO. Not a single one had played World of Warcraft. They didn't know what they were competing against because they didn't look into it. They didn't care. They were like, no, we're just going to make this pretty game and people will love it. It'll be great. And then Yoshi P comes in and is like, no, this is awful. And he met with every single member of the team. So he initially sort of did this uh, like presentation, this meeting, and he was like, okay, I am now in charge. You guys have options. You can stick with me and trust in my ability and we can try and recover this game. Or you can walk away. But give me two weeks. Give me two weeks to make an impression on you. And he met with each developer individually, worked out a schedule. Okay, what do you do on each day? 
how do you plan this out? What do you, what do you spend your time doing? Okay, cool. We'll make a few adjustments here and there. You know, we'll add in a little bit of extra time for some projects and, uh, you know, people like to have little conversations and uh, go into the toilet or, you know, water cooler conversation. He would count that as a meeting and he would sort of allocate that time out. And people initially didn't like it, but then over time they sort of started to see, okay, yeah, now we're working more as a machine. They had different teams talking to each other for the first time in years. And it's like, okay, cool. Right. I see what's happening. And then they introduced and did so much to try and salvage 1.0. They introduced jobs and raised the level cap to 50. So if you were a Lancer, you could become a Dragoon. Great. <laughs> you could actually be a Final Fantasy class. If you were a Conjurer, you could become a White Mage. If you were a Thermoturge, you could become a Black Mage. You know, and then they're all of a sudden, hey, look, there's uh, auto attacks in the game now. Hey, look, you've got more options when it comes to your abilities. Hey, look, you can do this now. And they added more and more and more content. And it was a massive relief to the people that were still playing the game. And in an attempt to salvage the people that were still playing, they turned off paying for the subscriptions. Hey, I like They were like, nice. you know what? We're not, we're not, we're not going to charge you for playing this game right now because we need your dedication. That's the right move. That's a good move. Absolutely. And it arguably saved the Final Fantasy franchise. Um, because, you know, the people that were still playing were like, look, this isn't great, but I'm not paying for it. Fuck it. Fuck it. And again, they just made the game better and better, and people are like, oh, cool, yeah, this is starting to really go somewhere, and oh, look, there's this new story beat, and oh, look, blah, blah, blah. Yoshi P ended up having a meeting with the heads of Square Enix and gave them an ultimatum, which is ballsy as fuck for a Japanese company Ooh, for yeah. the leader of a project to go, right, you have two choices. We either patch the shit out of this game and hope that it becomes mediocre at best, or we blow this fucking thing up and start fresh. Blow it up! Two days later, they came back to him. All right, cool, let's blow it up. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> nuke a baby. Oh, yeah, they nuked it. Semi-literally. Oh, well, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so Yoshi P got in contact, like, was chatting to the, um, to the story team, and basically, there was like a little story segment that had been put in place, which was um, there was a second moon to uh, the, the world of Eorzea had a secondary moon, the lesser moon, Dalamud. And uh, he was like, can we crash the moon into the planet? And they were like, you know what? <laughs> yeah, let's do it. And so they spent ages brainstorming on how to make this whole, like, this whole thing work. And they introduced new antagonists and, like, span the story in such a way that essentially anyone that was playing the game at that point, they would try, they knew what was going to happen. They put in the little droplets. It was like, ah, oh, something's not right. Um, and this tiny dot in the sky started getting bigger. Oh, this and then is bigger. Cool. And redder. And this was over time. This wasn't just all of a sudden, hey, look, there's a big angry red thing in the sky. It was slowly but surely. They planted the seed about a year and a half before they brought the moon down. And you'd see it getting bigger. And people were talking. They were like, hey, is it just me or is that getting bigger? And people were like, nah, you're just being, like, we just never noticed it before. And then it was getting bigger. And they're like, no, 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 something's up. And I then the story that. would, the story would weave its way to what was happening, which was, um, essentially the, and the primary antagonist, the Garlemald, uh, the Garlemald, the Garlean Empire, sorry, um, was bringing down the moon. 
and it was a moon that had been put up there by an ancient civilization. I think not many games can pull it off like storyline wise, but Final Fantasy, this seems like a side quest. Like this shit happens. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a standard Final Fantasy quest line, really. But they wove it in such a way that players had agency, players had involvement, players were part of this story, and they were trying to stop this moon from crashing. Just like throwing rocks but, and shit at it. But no, Go the, away! The, <laughs> Auto-attacking it. <laughs> it learns! <laughs> we they, couldn't, they couldn't jump at it. Throw the they good could looking, not jump at it. Throw the pretty barrels at it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, you know, you, people were involved in this. And then slowly they turned on the subscriptions again and said, like, hey, look, we want to make this better. We're going to turn on subscriptions to fund the next bit of the game. And people were like, cool, no worries. And then they introduced, like, this legacy thing and blah, blah, blah. Um, and so eventually it came to terms that you could not save the planet. Like, the, this lesser moon was going to crash into, into the realm. That was it. Good luck. And so um, there's actually a really good video on YouTube of the last 11, I think it's 11 minutes, of Final Fantasy XIV. God damn. Um, yes, the final 11 minutes of Final Fantasy XIV um, by a user called Power Level Amy. And I highly recommend that you watch this because this was happening in real time. The moon was massive and colossal. And no matter where you went in the world, there was this haunting song being played over and over. And it was incredible. And, you know, in the final few minutes, the dev team jumped online and like the, the GMs were spawning monsters to try and raid the cities and players formed like, barriers and barricades to try and stop these monsters from breaching the city. But it didn't work because it was like, cool, you kill one monster, another five pop in. And it was amazing because the dev team was so involved in it and watching this happen in front of their eyes. The players were involved because it was happening right in front of their eyes. And then, yeah, in the last, uh, in the last 11 minutes, you watch, um, if you watch this video, you, you see a group of people sort of talking to each other and they're like, the world's going to end. We'll see what happens. See you guys next time, hopefully. And then before they shut off the servers, they sh showed the trailer for 2.0. That is fucking cool. Yeah, it was freaking amazing. Incredible. And what happens is this meteor comes crashing. It's called, it's referred to as the meteor project. And it comes crashing down. And as it's entering, like, as it's starting to get close to this massive battlefield, it breaks apart. And the dreadworm Bahamut emerges from this moon and basically blows everything up. Like, you watch everything get fucking devastated. It is incredible, and I highly, highly recommend that you check this out. Because this was happening in front of people's eyes. They were playing the game, and then the screen went black, and they saw this cutscene where everything was getting destroyed. And then the game turned off. That was it. You were disconnected. You were booted back to the login screen. Damn! Yup. <laughs> and then... A little while later, the 2.0 beta came out and people loved it. People were like, holy shit, this is so good. 
and then 2.0 released and it did incredible i just like in like the lore of the game so if you're a character within this game the moon crashes into into the world but it's a big egg and Bamut comes out and he's blowing stuff up and then you wake up the next day and suddenly when you fight you're not tired yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, 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 and you can you, jump for some reason. Yeah, you look a lot clearer in the mirror. Your knees are working. What is this? It's like those barrels don't look as good as you do, as I did yesterday. <laughs> but Fred, you look pretty cool today. Like, so what happened there? There was there was a lot that was changed. So, um, Final Fantasy XIV now looks nothing like it did. It is a completely changed game. During the whole time that they were patching and trying to work on Final Fantasy XIV 1.0, they were also working on 2.0. They were like, right, we've got to scrap this, we've got to scrap this, we've got to rework almost this entire thing. And they did. And it was incredible. Because what would happen is there was, like, at the end of the cutscene, the main characters, like the stand-in characters for your player character, were teleported away through space and time to five years later, which is where the story picks up. And it is so good because they work not only did they go, oh fuck it, alright, we'll just have to blow we'll just have to like close this down and do oh look, new game. They worked it into the story. And people lived and experienced that story. There is evidence of it happening in front of people's eyes. And it is insane because there's still people that play this game that played it in 1.0 and play it today. And you can tell who they are because their character has like a special tattoo on the back of their neck. Oh, that's cool. It's so cool. And there was there was lots of carry-on, like inherited issues from the 1.0 game. Like some of the gear was a bit crap and you know, you know, some designs weren't great and whatever. But they reworked so much of it, people were like, this is a brand new game. I started playing in 2.0. And I was like, oh cool, this is a really fun MMO. Now, I mentioned the Metacritic score of 1.0 uh, before. Now, the new version of the game, 2.0, or as it was otherwise referred to as A Realm Reborn, which is the base game that if you go and buy it now, that is the game you get. Mm-hmm. It's A Realm Reborn. Shot up to an 83. Damn. It went from Oof. 49 to 83. But also, it released on the PS3, finally. And that got, I think, an 83 or something similar. And then, because the problem was, you know, the PS3 was getting towards the end of its lifetime. They also released it on PS4, free upgrade version. Got an 86 on PS4. Hmm. And Damn. after after about a year, they announced, hey, look, we've got another. We're planning on an expansion. And Heaven's Ward, Heaven's Ward. was so good. It's my second favourite of the whole Final Fantasy XIV series. Um, it's just so, so, so good. The music's incredible and blah, blah, blah. That got an 86 on both PS4 and PC. And then the third expansion came out called Stormblood. That got an 87 on PC and then an 89 on PS4. And then the latest game, the latest expansion, Shadowbringers, got a 90 on Metacritic. Just and steadily climbing up. That's a glob. Absolutely. That is a glob. That's what the kids are calling it, I think. hundred <laughs> percent. It is now it is now absolutely I think it's like a must play. It's been given like a must play 
from Metacritic. It is widely regarded as one of, if not the best, Final Fantasy story ever. Well, it is widely regarded as the best paid MMO on the market today. It is const- It's the second best MMO, like I mean, in terms of numbers, only I, behind World of Warcraft. I really, I love the fact that the story is such a huge focus for Final Fantasy mm. 14, because typically with MMOs, man, it's it's not about the story. It's about the grind. It's about yeah. the min maxing. It's about you know going out and doing end game content at the highest mm. possible difficulty. But if you have this amazing like story that is is capturing you and developing and growing throughout all of the expansions, mm-hmm. something that you can't like really ignore in the way that you can like other other MMOs. That's yeah. that's freaking amazing. It's so good and. Um, I, I've seen and watched so many videos from what are sort of affectionately referred to as WoW refugees. Because people give up, have given up on World of Warcraft. They're done with it. They're done with the changes in design philosophies and the way the game plays and how it doesn't feel the way World of Warcraft used to. And so they're coming over to Final Fantasy XIV and they're very affectionately being referred to as WoW refugees because they're like, cool, I know what to expect from a modern MMO. How does this differ? And so many people will not stop singing high praises about this game. And it Diamond. is one of my favorites. As a um as a former WoW player, uh uh reformed, a WoW refugee. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say a re- refugee, but could you give me like the Cliff Notes version of what is different between like a, a World of Warcraft, for instance, and Final Fantasy um, 14? Well, as you mentioned with the story, and this is something that um Again, I've seen plenty of people talk about the story in World of Warcraft sort of happens around you. You're not involved. You you don't have any agency. Whereas Final Fantasy XIV is directly about you and your character. It's focused on you and you have so much agency. You are so important. You are, you know, this person that, you know, bridges these huge insurmountable gaps and, you know, it comes... You fight gods and punch them in the face until they die, right? <laughs> That's how you do it. And Yeah, absolutely. Um, and the community as a whole is super friendly and welcoming. And, I mean, don't get me wrong, as with every online game, there will be a few toxic people here and there. But overall, mm. it's, it's kind of like this self-fulfilling prophecy as well. Because people hear so many good things about the community. They're like, oh, cool, that sounds really nice. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go have a look at that. And of course, they generally have a really good experience and go, oh, yeah, I really like this. Oh, I love playing this game. I'm happy to be playing this game. And, oh, look, here's a new person. Hey, I was just like you three years ago. I'm going to give you some pointers. Let me help you because someone else helped me. And it's just the self-fulfilling prophecy of just wholesome. And it's great. And (laughs) the end game grind isn't... It isn't the main focus. It's there, and it's important, and the developers take note of feedback, actively take note of the feedback. They respond to people. There's constant information coming from the dev team. They, they don't hide anything. They're not like, oh, yeah, we're just going to, we're going to do a thing. Don't worry about it. They talk to you. They talk to the community, and they go, hey, we've heard that you guys aren't happy with the way that this class works. We acknowledge that. Bear with us while we try and fix it. We're going to try and fix this class in the next expansion. We're going to fix 
Um, like for example, there was a a resource bar that was called TP, um, and that was in introduced in 1.0 and carried over until Stormblood, and as of Shadowbringers, because people were like, man, this it's a it's a resource that doesn't need to be managed. It's you use up a bit of TP every time you do one of your special abilities, one of your weapon skills. It doesn't need to be managed because you don't often lose much of it anyway. So what's, what's the difference? Mm. And the dev team were like, you know what? That's a really valid point. Let's rework a few things. And they removed it from the game. They removed a bit of resource management which people didn't like because it wasn't essential. And they listened to the way that people care and think about the game. And they they honestly take so much of it on board. And this is another thing which I only found out recently, and it makes me so happy about this game. The dev team all pay for their subscriptions and play the game as a regular people. Hey, I like that. This yeah. this includes Yoshi P. Yoshi P. So the, the director of the game, right? He pays for his own character and plays as yeah, you know, a, a regular person. It's a tax write-off. But so does the Square Enix CEO. So hey. does the X Square Enix CEO. They got to pump up those numbers somehow. <laughs> they don't need to pump up those numbers. The like, ah, oh, it's incredible. Every because the thing is, and this is a consistent thing with World of Warcraft, is you know the new thing comes out, the new expansion comes out, cool. You know, active players peak, play, people play through the content. Okay, cool, done, and it drops off. But Final Fantasy is relatively consistently, I mean, given current global pandemic, things have been a little bit reduced in that aspect, but they're normally very frequently updating the game and we get patches and we get... When there's a patch, it isn't just a, oh yeah, we're fixing a few things. It's, hey, here's some more story for you. Here's a new dungeon for you. Here's a new raid tier. Now, Simon, I, I, I feel like I'm, like, taking candy from a baby here because you seem so happy. But we're going to move on to the last our last game. <laughs> yeah, we can't go on about this forever. I mean, you could. <laughs> I could, yes, but that's not the point. <laughs> now, this is a game that is arguably, was arguably the biggest disaster in gaming history. Mm. Now, first revealed at VGX in 2013, Halo Games' No Man's Sky was ne- ne- uh. meant to be the next big thing. It was meant to be the thing. Um, an endless Man, universe. Jesse, that trailer. That hype, first wasn't it? trailer. So it was meant to be an endless universe full of unique planets that could all be explored. The entire universe you could explore. Every planet was teeming with life, unique flora and fauna, all randomly generated, meaning that you would never see the same thing twice. Sean Murray, the CEO of Hello Games, promised hyper-realistic physics, multiplayer, huge variations in ships, um, exploration, factions, space skirmishes. He promised the world, or well, the universe, I guess. He promised the universe in this case. Promised a lot. However, when he made these promises, Hello Games had 16 employees. Mm-hmm. Ooh. In 2014, yeah. Sony showed off the game at E3. Um, and No Man, making No Man's Sky one of the first indie games to be shown off on a main stage at an E3 conference. Um, the trailer that Keelan mentioned, it showed these like 
amazing looking alien dinosaurs, like a big long neck one. There were big rhinos, there was babies, there were herds being chased around, all in this lush biome. You had massive flotillas of spaceships, um, aerial dogfights between different spaceships. It looked incredible. Um, the game walked away with the best original game and best independent game awards for the show. So now the game had Sony's full backing. This was an indie game. It had Sony's full backing. There was a massive marketing push. So every farmer and his mum knew about this game. The expectations were pretty high. Mine were. Were you guys pumped for this game when it first came out? I pre-ordered the special edition. Same here. I, I watched that trailer a thousand and one times because it was my dream. This is what I wanted Exploration in games game. is the thing that gets yeah. me and space. Space yep. is... I, if I got offered it. to be shot into space right now, Elon Musk, if you are listening, I'm sure you are, if you shoot me into space, mm-hmm. I don't care if I don't come back. Put me into space. Launch me down a catapult. Don't give a fuck. I want you to space. Well, this was something... Okay, so I was pretty interested in this game. Um, Gaz was super interested. He was like, oh, man, G- I want to get this Gareth game. Gareth and I, I talked about this game. I'll, I think actually talking about this game was one of the first things that him and I like kind of bonded over when we first met. Oh, cute. Yeah. Um, and he was saying, like, oh, do you want to get this game and we can play it together? And I was like, oh, I don't know if it's cross-platform. And I was like, oh, it seems interesting. But that's kind of where my... Uh, I was trying to be very restrained because I noticed, I guess, something behind the scenes, which I didn't if, appreciate. If our Final Fantasy segment teach, taught us anything, you can show restraint. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, the hype was there. I get, I get this game wasn't everyone's cup of tea, but it, this was ticked every box for me. So, yeah, like, like Keelan had the pre-order. I took the day off work. May have just pulled a sticky. Sorry, former workplace. Um, then it came out. And it fucking oh sucked. Um, now, it had its moments. It had its moments. When you first um, fuel up your ship and you break through the atmosphere, yeah. that was awe-inspiring. I, that is still probably my top 10 gaming moments. I, I got chills doing that. I really like that. But the universe felt empty. It... I mean, it was wide as an ocean, deep as a puddle. There was just nothing there. It was it was this massive open canvas with nothing on it. Um, it was like a it was like a less polished version of Minecraft in space. All you would do is you're in a constant resource gathering loop. So you would collect resource A to get resource B. You'd use resource B to make resource C. Resource C would let you fly to another planet where you could mine more resource A. And you would keep repeating this over and over again with a completely illogical crafting system and some of the worst UI I've, I've ever, ever seen. The promised multiplayer was, wasn't there. The, there was some kind of story there as well, wasn't there, Jesse? Sort of oh, leading mate, you on almost, hinting it, at something. Yeah. Um, there, you were meant to get to the center of the universe. You were meant to follow Atlas to the center of the universe. The center of the universe was meant to be this big life-changing revel- revelation. Meant to be huge. Did you get there? No. Did you feel- okay, I did. Took me about f- f- 10, maybe maybe 10 hours? 10 to 15 hours? You get to the end and you just start off in a new um, universe. Basically, you start from the start again. That's what it was. Jeez, I did not. That was spit in the face that it gave you. 
And it really pissed me off because you're throughout the game, all you're doing is mining the same resource over and over and over again. The um the amazing animals that you'll see is the, the randomizer was on the frets, and you would have oh, these like Cronenbergian yeah. horrors um, that were quite funny, like like glitch wise, they were fun to look at. But this is not what we were promised. Um, the NPCs were just these weird lizard people. I'm like, I don't, I don't give a fuck about you. Planets were uninteresting. So even if the okay, whatever the ending was, the ending you were never gonna the ending. Sorry, the center of the universe was never going to be what it was promised because it, it couldn't be. But if the, journey, the there journey was was good, wouldn't really care. Cool, I'll go back through this again. This is fun, but it wasn't. It was tedious. Now the reviews were bad. Uh, the public reaction was worse. Um, so, as it often happens in gaming culture, hating the game became cool, and hating the game became a currency online, and people mm-hmm. were climbing over each other to abuse Sony. Hello Games, Sean Murray. Sean Murray was a liar. Then the death threats rolled in. So in an interview with The Guardian, Sean Murray said, I remember getting a death threat about the fact there were butterflies in our original trailer, and you could see them as you walked past them, but there weren't any butterflies in the launch game. I remember thinking to myself, maybe when you're seeing a death threat about butterflies in a game, you might be the bad guy. Guys, don't send (laughs) fucking death threats to people. Jesus Fucking Christ. Okay, okay, the game was bad, but people needed to calm down. Um, the, the whole game became just toxic. It became a feedback loop of toxicity where everyone to one-up each other and see how much they could just beat up this game. The game became a meme. It became a joke. Sony lost so much money on it. Lost The studio lost faith um, and went completely silent. The Kind of the last thing they said is, we're going to fix this. Um, but we'd heard enough promises for Hello Games at this point, and mm. they were all not. They didn't come to fruition. I think people lost a lot of hope, right? Yeah, I did. Um, mm. And I did, the yeah. studio went quiet, so I didn't expect anything. However, when they went quiet, they got to fucking work, son. Hello Games did, I think, the best comeback story in video game history by a mile here. So, in the last four years, Hello Games have um, basically reinvented the game. It's not exactly what they promised, but it's something different, something better. Now, I'm just going to rattle off these free updates. Okay? I emphasize the term free. I mean, these should be free because they fucked up the original game, but it's still nice to see. The Foundation update gave us base building. Pathfinder gave us vehicles. Atlas Rises gave quality of life improvements across the board, including terrain manipulation and the first signs of multiplayer. No Man's Sky Next threw the doors open with a new third-person perspective, which was good because you could use it to see your buddies because multiplayer became a thing. It was an actual active universe now. Everything felt so much more alive. Then the Abyss came out, and the Abyss was a big upgrade to the underwater levels. Um, You had these massive um, horrors from the deep... And a submarine, which is pretty, really cool. Pretty cool. Um, mm. Visions was a massive graphical update beyond brought No Man's Sky to VR. Um, it also changed the space anomaly, the center of the universe. That was that is now a community hub where people could gather, do missions together, and chill. Also, you could now ride some of these gross, wet creatures. The synthesis. Stop it with the wet. <laughs> update. We're not going back into this. <laughs> um, allows ship customization. 
You could also have a personal refinery, a portable personal refinery, which cuts so much off the busy work from getting materials in the original game. Um, the living ship update gave us this weird, wet, gross biomechanical spaceship. It's like you're in a big jellyfish. Seems a bit of an odd one. And 10 points for whoever can guess what was part of the uh, exo-mech update. Anyone? <laughs> you got a mech suit. It's fucking wow, cool. Who would have guessed? <laughs> so it has gone from what was basically just like collect resource A. You have resource A. Use it to collect resource B. Go to planet to get resource C. It has gone from that to, oh shit, there's some sort of cool Tyrannosaurus thing. I'm going to ride that around. I'm going to go up to it with my exosuit. Oh, some ships flow over and they're landing near me. Oh, it's my mates. Let's build a fucking base together and drive around our little go-karts. It's so cool now. Hell yeah. I'm now, down I know for this those Jaeger fights. I played it today for the first time in... I probably stopped playing it maybe a month after launch. Um, wow. So there's quite an update I need to do, but I played it today. And I played it in PSVR. And I am head over heels in love with this game again. It is so much fun. The VR adds adds just a completely different layer to it. But I also played some non-VR. The graphical improvements are through the roof. Quality of life across the board. And it's not hard to get back into. I was building a base in the first 10 minutes, if that. The creatures look better. Mining is... It makes more sense now. The the resource collection makes more sense now. The menu screens aren't absolute hell on earth. Like I said, it's not what was promised at the start. It's not everything. It's smaller, but dense now. There is so much to do. And it's exciting. I... Full credit... I mean... They shouldn't have made these promises. That's fucked up. And they... But the, what they got in return was worse. You don't mm. ever send... Don't ever threaten someone for doing their... You know, for making yep. a game. Jesus. Yeah, um, can agreed. I, yeah, absolutely. But um, can, I, can I just chime in real quick? Yeah, I'll allow it. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, because part of the reason why I wasn't getting too excited about the game was I was like, I thought this was supposed to be a little indie project. And then Sony thrust it into the limelight. And that's part of the, like, and then ended up essentially backing Hello Games into this PR nightmare corner. And that, I feel, was the biggest problem. It wasn't Hello Games itself. It wasn't Sean. They were completely out of their depth and were panicking. I think they lied. From what I've kind of read and seen, those lies were made to Sony as well. Sony expected this to be an amazing product. So you're going to back it all the way. They saw what we saw. And then they started putting money into it. They saw the potential in this game. I liked they backed it. I liked that they took a risk. It was a risk and it didn't work and they probably went too far with it, but I liked that they showed faith. Blew up in the See, face yeah, o- overall, I do appreciate that. But on the flip side, I feel like it is partially Sony's own doing. Because had they not thrust No Man's Sky into the spotlight, it would have come out, it would have been this cool little nifty indie game, and that would have been it. But, I mean, now obviously it's turned into this blockbuster title which everyone adores. But initially it was hated on, and I I don't think that's a fair representation of 
the development studio or the game itself. It was meant to be a little indie project that they made because they wanted to do this stuff. It was an, it was a small it started off as a small indie project. However, they promised the world. And it doesn't matter, like, even if this game went out to true people, say it was a tiny indie game and it went out to two people, those two people had every right to be disappointed because of what they had heard. And these claims of it being a complete universe randomly generated were made before Sony's um, really got involved with it. So I, I think there are a number of parts that it was a perfect storm of yeah. overreaching by, by Sean and overpromising. Um, too much faith shown, too much blind faith shown on Sony's behalf. So yeah, I, I, I agree. They do need to take a kind of responsibility here. Um, and then just it just revealed the. I think we all know that gaming has a really ugly side. This is one of those times where that sort of chasm opened up a little bit more than usual, and it, it got really bad. Like it was really disheartening to see people just constantly attacking Sean and the team. They fucked up, but chill. Yeah. But 2020, I suggest playing this game. If, if you have it, blow the dust off it and get on board. And if you don't have it, it is coming to Xbox Game Pass this month uh, for Windows 10 and Xbox. So play it for, f- well, not for free, but play it. For a small cost. It's well worth the time. Uh, I'm going to be playing it for the next few days, I think. VR, baby! Get to look at all these weird little pig horses in the face and be like, you're a mistake. Enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Look, leave them. Right. If there's puppy-sized elephants, I'm in. There's elephant-sized puppies. I'm sorry. Mm. I want puppy-sized elephants, Mm, goddammit. Mother Nature, provide. Well, okay. If you visit you enough planets, you'll find it. Yeah, it's really generated. You'll find a puppy-sized elephant. How awesome would a puppy-sized elephant be? I'm just saying. Okay. Mm. Anyway, I don't know. I want an elephant. This is like the whole thing of like a horse-sized duck or a duck-sized horse. I think a duck-sized horse would be adorable and hilarious. Like that. I want a horse-sized duck so I can ride around and kick my enemies in the face. I have a lot of enemies, and they're all good. Could that duck fly? Yes. Then right. in which case, yeah, I'm yes. fucking losing. Yeah, yes, 100%. But, but it's always wet. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> so when you sit in it, it flies, but you're like, oh, my jeans are wet. Wetsuit, baby. Look, that's as good a point as any to attend this show, eh? This fucking disaster podcast. We are on Spotify and iTunes. Uh, Keelan just spat out his drink. You can subscribe and leave us a review if you'd like. Um, <laughs> Poor Keelan. <laughs> Keelan is down. Keelan is out for the count. Check out all fan critical podcasts and all good podcasting services. Um, if you want to contact us, you can uh, shoot us an email at storymodevideogamepodcast at gmail.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter at storymodepod. Um, and also on Patreon, if you want to search Fan Critical, check a few bucks that way, get access to extra shows. We could put a few monies, a few pennies into getting um, Keelan some sort of sippy cup. And you can also access this Discord server run by right Simon now. Evans. Fun, I'm fun. Very concerned about Keelan's well-being right Sorry. now. Keelan, are you okay? I swallowed the water down the wrong pipe. 
and oh, no. I'm in a very bad way right now. You know, just to, just to like peel back the the veil a little bit here. Before the show, Keelan's like, "Hey, you know, we should record the outro. You can just play the same outro every time." I'm like, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll just do it as we record, because something always kind of like funny happens. Keelan, we almost missed out on that, <laughs> unless we use the one where you almost die every episode. I'm really suffering. <laughs> I feel so bad. I can't help. My my arms are not long enough to reach from Western You're Australia right. to Melbourne. <laughs> We got the thumbs up, folks. All right. So okay, I think I think he's going to survive. This has been a very long podcast. It's been a very long podcast. Let's wrap it up here. Um, just before we do, um, kind of sign off. Just want to give a shout out for everyone who is rallying for a very very good cause right now. Um, we back you. You know, stay strong. You're fighting for a very good reason. Um, and with that, Keelan, thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you. Jesus. And Simon, <laughs> cheers, buddy. Cheers. I'm going to go play Final Fantasy 14 now. I, I thought you would. I, I'm surprised you aren't already. <laughs> uh, look, honestly, I was playing about 10 minutes before we started. Recording. I came onto Discord and I thought you were playing it. Look, okay. There was stuff I had to do yeah. anyway. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Stay safe. Bye. Bye. My liquid cooling is full of anabolic steroids. <laughs>